Okay, good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you on this beautiful Sunday that God has given to us. If you want to come in and make your way to your seats, I'm so glad that we get to worship the Lord together this morning. And for those joining at home on live stream, we're so grateful that you get to join in as well. We're in for a treat this morning. We have a baptism this morning in the middle of the service. We also this morning, we get to hear from our third and fourth graders doing their scripture memory presentation for us. They've memorized an entire chapter of God's Word and we'll continue our study of First Peter. So I'm just excited about a time to focus on God's Word together, to sing His praises and to pray together this morning. As we begin, I want us to focus our minds on the Lord. So can I ask you to stand, please? I want to read from Psalm 93. The first song we're going to sing is a song about the Lord reigning. And so as we begin this morning, I know many of us come in with different burdens and trials and sicknesses and hardships and just so many distractions that we find as we walk through a broken world in this life. So I just want to remind us this morning that we can give it all to the Lord because God is on His throne and He's sovereign and He reigns. Look at Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So, friends, I want us to celebrate the power of God this morning, celebrate His sovereignty over all things, celebrate the fact that He reigns. Let's go back to verse 1, that first one I just read for us. And I want us to read that out loud as our call to worship for this morning. So would you say it with me? The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let's celebrate the Lord this morning. Oceans roll, he rains. 
Sure. 
What an incredible truth we have just proclaimed in song to you. You're the ancient of days. You're unchangeable. You are the great I am. Lord, though we confess that we know you are all powerful, Lord, we also confess our lives so often show we do not live like you are all powerful. So we confess that ascend to you of not trusting in your power and your presence and your plan and your reign and you doing your perfect will. Would you forgive us for being so short-sighted and losing sight of that? And Lord, would you this morning as we continue to study your word, as we sing to you, as we celebrate these different things we'll celebrate this morning, God, that we would be reminded that you are on your throne, that you are sovereign and you are all-powerful, and that would be the anchor that we need for whatever in your plan we will face this week. And we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be 
seated. We get the joy this morning of celebrating a baptism. This is Sarah Paul in the tank here with her dad, Daniel. And so I wanted just to remind you what baptism is. First of all, boys and girls, if you want to be able to see and you can't see well, you're welcome to come sit down front here. I know it's a hard place to see. So boys and girls, if you want to, you're welcome to come sit down here where you can see better. Sit up on the steps or on the platform. So Now while the, the boys and girls are coming down, I just want to remind you why we do baptism. There's nothing magical about these waters. This is the same Montgomery tap water you and I drink at home every day, for better or for worse, right? This is, this is just everyday water. But we do this as a symbol. This is a proclamation that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried on the third day he rose again. Well, we've just been celebrating a few weeks ago on Easter weekend. And we do it this way because it is a symbol of identifying with Christ in his death and his burial and in his resurrection. But when a person is, confesses Christ in baptism, they are also saying that I believe because of what Christ has done for me, I'm died to my old way of life. Sin's power has been lost on me, and I've been raised to walk in newness of life. Because following Christ is not I pray a prayer and get out of hell. Following Christ is He becomes not just my Savior, but my Lord, and He changes me. That saving grace is also transforming grace that radically alters and shapes my life. I want to remind you what we read often, but Matthew 28, what we call the Great Commission. We see here that Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're following Christ's command this morning as Sarah, a follower of Christ, is confessing her belief in Christ through the waters of believer's baptism. So we want to begin with you hearing her testimony. And Jessica, where are you? Her mom is going to, there you go. Her, her mom is going to read her testimony for you this morning. Okay. So Sarah's testimony. I became a Christian about six years ago. That's when I got a Bible for my birthday. which I remember really wanting. I put my trust in Jesus after watching a clip of Secret Church. <clears throat> it felt so real to me, so I prayed and talked to my parents, who were excited. Though I didn't start reading my Bible and praying until about last year, I definitely started reading the Bible more. I feel like I've been growing in faith, and I'm looking forward to growing more. Sarah, I have prayed. For you to know the Lord and his love for you and walk with him through your life. I can't see it. <laughs> your dad and I are so thankful for the Lord's work in your life. We love you and we're proud of you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Take a step across on you. Now, as our custom here, we want to give people an opportunity to share words of encouragement to you. So, Sarah, I don't know if you can step forward to the front. It's kind of, a, it's hard to see people out there. We want people to be able to see you on that. So several people specifically requested they get to share. We're going to start with Miss Laurie Smart here. Sarah, um, I know all of your Sunday school teachers agree that this is a day of rejoicing. And I just remember little Sarah standing up here reciting by memory, the whole chapter of Colossians 3, and it said, and you've died and you're hidden with Christ in God, and, and that was in your head, and I think it has moved to your heart, because this is what you're doing. The old Sarah is dead, and now people, they see 
Christ in you. And you were the, the Sunday school student that would always ask those questions that I could never answer. Like, um, she would say, yeah, was it okay for Rahab to lie and things like that. But you know what? That's because I see you as a seeker. And what does the Lord say? Seek me, and you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. So that's my challenge and encouragement to you to keep seeking him. Memorize that word. Let it richly dwell within you. And just keep beating salt and light. And we love you very much. Amen. Thanks, Larry. You guys, I'm going to climb back across here because two others have requested to get to share. So make sure. Okay. Hey, Sarah. Um, as I was just praying about today, this verse spoke to me, which is Proverbs thirteen twenty: The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of the fools will suffer harm. I watch you as you interact with your friends. You have wisdom beyond your years. You see things, and you're willing to call it out in your friends. That's not an easy gift. I know. Um, I'm thankful that you're one of Sable's people because it means you're one of mine. I'm thankful that you made the decision to be baptized today. And I pray that you will grow in wisdom and truth in the gospel. Here, Sue. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. To me, you feel like the peacemaker in our friendship. If I'm having a hard time, you help me and push me through. And one of the things I love most about you is that you are not afraid to tell me what you're feeling. Like if I've done something wrong, you are able to tell me that and we work it out together. I love the chats we have about life. It feels like I can share anything with you. I'm very grateful for you, and I'm excited for us to continue to walk our faith journey together. I feel like you're one of mine. (laughs) When Sable just said peacemaker, it's exactly what came to me as I was thinking about what I could say to you. And I think about um, in Romans 12, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the, with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And it goes on to talk about, so if you've been given this gift to do it well, and you have been given the gift not only of being a seeker, and of telling truth, but you've been given a gift of being a peacemaker, and it's not an easy gift, but I watch you do it so beautifully, just so unassumingly. You bring peace and breathe peace into the space that you walk into, and like Mandy said, I'm so grateful that you are one of Abigail's people, and I see the three of you, and the way the Lord has gifted you all differently and how they complement each other. And I cannot wait to see what the Lord is going to do in your lives, in your lives all together and in your life. You, precious girl, I know that your faith journey started before these waters, but you standing there and saying, world, my Jesus is this important for me to step out And I know it's not comfortable. 
And I know you don't seek being in the spotlight. And so for those people, it feels difficult. But you've stepped out and said, Jesus is my Savior. And I am going to call that out publicly. And we are going to pray for you and walk alongside you. And I could not be more proud of you, baby. Sarah, I have known you for a very long time, and I'm really excited that you are making this uh, commitment to the Lord, and I have gone so long calling you a best friend, and I'm really excited to call you a sister in Christ. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Um... I wanted to say that I'm very proud because you want to be in the Lord's hands and because you are very special and I love that you have a very good heart in the Lord. Thanks, Maggie. Okay. Let me go over here to Molly, our children's director. Sorry, guys. Had to get it, didn't I? Hey, sweet Sarah. So I have known you since. Well, I knew your parents. So before you were born, I've known you. So um, I just want to say that we have been praying all together with your parents for a long time that this day would come, and we have watched you as you've grown, as you've learned God's word in the different classes. And we have seen the evidence that God is in your life and that you have accepted Jesus as your Christ and Lord and Savior. And I just want you to forever remember this moment, forever mark it down as a a moment in time where you have accepted Christ, you have been baptized, you've been obedient, and he will forever direct your paths. And you will, if you will follow him, and to follow him, you need to continue to read his word like you talked about, continue praying, growing with him. Not an easy life, but a very um, peace-filled, joy-filled life. We love you. Thanks, Molly. Well, those are the ones I knew who had planned to say anything. Anyone else planning to say something this morning? Hey, Amy. Sarah, um, I've just really enjoyed the opportunity to get to know you the past few years um, through our homeschool community and this year in Sunday school. Um, like everyone else has said, um, I just I see so much um, just peacemaking in you. Um, you're such a... Um, thoughtful and kind friend. Um, You have a really, really great sense of humor, so I think we've connected (laughs) that way. But but most of all, I see Christ shining through you, Um, and um, I just think of um, the verse in Matthew chapter 5, let your light shine. Um, So I just, my prayer for you is that you'll just continue to seek the Lord, and you'll continue to let his light shine through you. Okay, anyone else prepared anything? Any further... Okay, well then, Daniel, we'll turn it over to you. All right, well, she alluded in her testimony, and I'll just share briefly. I can remember the night that it was right after a secret church, and I think it was maybe 2020, it was where we all watched it at home, but in the middle of it, David Platt stops what he's doing, and he gives a gospel presentation and leads everybody in a, in a, in a prayer for that, and Sarah watched that while I was at work, and then later that night when I got home, she came up and said, hey, Daddy, do you know the secret church? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, do you know where David Platt does his part where he prays 
about salvation? I said, yeah. And she said, do you really not know where I'm going with this? <laughs> and so it was, that was our first, at least with my you know, faith conversation. And, and since that time, it's been evidence in her life, as you all have attested, that Sarah, there's an outflowing, you know, overflowing of love from you and, and peace, as they said, and this coming back to you is reminding me of the verse that says, you reap what you sow. And you, you sow those kinds of things in others, and you're reaping that back, not only this morning, but also in your life. And crochet stuff. And crochet <laughs> stuff, yes. So, and also with today, not only are you my daughter, but through Christ's family, you and I are now in Christ, brother and sister. Absolutely. So, with that being said, I just have a question for you. Do you believe that your salvation is because of the work that you have done, or because of the faith in the work that Christ has done for you? So it is upon that profession of faith that I baptize you, Sarah Falk, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We do rejoice with them in that. Now, boys and girls, if you're in third and fourth grade and doing this Christian read, just come back up on the front. All the other boys and girls head back to your parents because our next thing is our boys and girls in Miss Lowry's third and fourth grade Sunday school class. We're going to be sharing their scripture memory. So third and fourth graders are doing scripture memory. If you'll just come back on the platform everybody else, if you'll kind of head to that one. Now, while they're coming, the third and fourth grade, every year, they memorize an entire chapter of the Bible. Not a verse, but an entire chapter. And this year, the third and fourth graders have memorized all of Psalm 139. They're going to recite it for you. Now, as they're reciting it for you, there's some things I want you to be listening for. In Psalm 139, the key word is know, that God knows us. And so be listening for how God's knowledge of us is described. But as you're listening to Psalm 139, as I share it with you, be listening for the attributes of God. This psalm is full of God's attributes, his omniscience or his knowledge of all things, his omnipotence, his all power, his omnipresence that he is everywhere. You'll see his sovereignty on display here. So be listening for that. Now, as you hear them sharing it, there's a part of this psalm that troubles some people. Because in this psalm, you'll hear them talking about, we hate those who hate you, and we hate the wicked. Now, what in the world are they going to be talking about on this? You have to realize in the psalms, the wicked are the people who speak against God. They're the people who oppose God's purposes. So this is not the friends at school who make us mad. That's not what's in view here. This is the people who are actively opposing God and his message going forth. So when it talks about we hate the, it talks about the hatred for those, this is not a sinful anger that scripture warns us about. Rather, this is the righteous anger we feel when the holy name of God is defamed. This is the feeling that a believer should have when we hear the name of God mocked and ridiculed, when we see God's purposes being thwarted. And that type of hatred, that, that, that godly um, response, that godly anger that we feel when God's name is defamed does not lead us to sinful response. It leads us to brokenness over the world. It leads us to pray for the world and to love those who hate God and to seek to get the gospel to them. So I just want you to understand what you're going to be hearing that. But as, we, as they share, be listening for God's knowledge of us and be listening for his attributes. So boys and girls, we're going to turn it over to you. Psalm 139.
Good job, boys and girls. And it looks like you have a special presentation from Miss Lari there. So well done, guys. Thank you for hiding God's word in your heart. And thank you for sharing it with us. And to all of us, the adults in the room, what a great encouragement to prioritize knowing God's word and memorizing it. Thank you for setting a good example for us, boys and girls. Well, let me pray for us now. Father, our hearts are full of gratitude for your grace that has been so obvious in our lives. We thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you together this morning, to sing your praises, to declare how great you are, to declare that we believe, we know you are reigning and ruling over all things, including the trials and difficulties that we walk through. And Lord, as we with joy gather publicly like this, or we realize all over the world are brothers and sisters who cannot do what we're doing today, who could never gather in front of open windows and shout your praises and sing how great you are because the government would come after them and friends and family would come after them. So, Lord, this morning we just want to remember persecuted brothers and sisters all around the world. And for those of us who got to do secret church Friday night, Lord, our hearts are just broken for Iran and for just the church that's there, the believers who are forced underground because of the oppression of the Islamic regime there. And we pray for them today. As they gather in their homes and their apartments secretly, that you would fill them with a joy unspeakable, knowing that they serve you, the one true God, who is reigning, who is on his throne. We pray you'll give them boldness to get the gospel to their friends and family members, that you would guard their, that you would protect them from people who would be seeking their harm, but you would give them open doors for people who you are drawing to yourself. We pray that we would see the gospel advance there in that dark country, that we would see Iran become a place where the gospel spreads to all the nations. And so we thank you that you are a God of the nations, that you are drawing the lost to yourself. And we thank you for the promise of your word that one day around your throne there will be brothers and sisters in Christ from every tongue and tribe and nation and language. So we pray for us as a church, God, you would burden our heart afresh for the nations. As we think about you reigning, as we celebrate the grace we have in you, that that would drive us to make you known both here locally and around the world. And we thank you for the power of your word. We're confident your word will change lives as it goes forth on the mission field. But Lord, we're confident as well your word will change us as we read it each day, as we talk about it with our families and with our friends and our smarts. But Lord, as it's preached this morning, we know your word is all powerful to change and to transform. So we pray for CJ. Lord, I'm so thankful for his friendship, so thankful for his work in the gospel ministry. We're so thankful for his faithfulness by your grace to the scriptures. So we pray for him as he teaches your word to us this morning, that you would just anoint him, that you would speak through him, that you give us teachable ears. And Lord, we would be transformed and changed to be the people you desire us to be as we study your word together. And we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, CJ comes first to fourth grade. You are dismissed to kids' worship this morning with Pastor Rick. So first to fourth grade, head with Rick this morning. And CJ's going to come continue our study in First Peter. Good morning, family. Good morning. Woo, I could close in prayer right now and we're good, huh? That was fantastic. What a morning, getting to celebrate Sarah's life and profession of faith. And man, I love Psalm 139. That was one of my favorites. That was just powerful and convicting. Thank you, Lori. Uh, That was amazing, just our kids being able to declare God's word together. And Lord, guys, I love how the Holy Spirit sets the tone for things, unbeknownst to anybody that was speaking to Sarah about this morning. But, you know, Jennifer Habercorn um, encouraging Sarah with what she said, just sets the tone of the message this morning. I love how God does that. How we got to glean from Sarah's life and how she's already impacted her friends and those around her as a sixth grader this year, you know, just living her life for Christ. And the gifts that were discussed there, that's what we're talking about today. The Lord is setting the tone about how we live our lives on this earth among each other. And, and as what Peter's going to encourage us with this morning, I just love how the Holy Spirit does that to kind of 
kind of set the things and what's already been declared this morning. So it's my privilege to be able to continue on with our journey through 1 Peter. Just by way of review, before we get into the, cha- um, the couple of verses this morning, we are in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, if you want to make your way there um, with your Bibles, your apps, through your devices, whatever you have, we will continue on in 1 Peter 4. And this morning is going to be a kind of a part 3 of where Grady started a few weeks ago, starting in verse 7, where uh, Peter is declaring at this stage of the section of Scripture where he says, the end of all things is at hand, or the end of all things is near. And so... It's kind of interesting right out in the middle of this section of the scripture that he just brings this statement forward. I mean, why would Peter even be thinking about this at the moment? Out of all we've been hearing about living this life in this pagan society, he's writing this letter to the churches all over the world, Jews and Gentiles, to encourage Christians who are living in pagan societies in areas of idolatry. And then out of the blue, encouraging us in these areas, he says, the end of all things is at hand. And then he flows out of that with some admonishments and instructions on how we keep in view the hope of glory returning. And at this stage, you guys, just want to reiterate, this letter was written about 30 to 33 years after Jesus has already ascended. Okay? So the tone of this is, Peter's been living 30 years of his walk, believing in Christ and understanding that Jesus' redemptive plan, all the major events of that have already taken place. He already has heard for three years that Jesus says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to be ascended into heaven to rule and reign at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to be sent to empower all of my people so you can live this life on earth. And then he said as he was ascending, what? I will return. And so at this moment, Peter is remembering, he knows all of this. And so at this moment, he's encouraged to express this to the church and remember that Jesus will return. And he emphasizes this here by saying, the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is near. So with that in mind, Peter is now encouraging the Christians to live and act in such a way, waiting for the hope of glory. Just having the, his eyes on eternity and with the view that Jesus is coming back. And according to Peter, it's been 30 years. When, when could Jesus have shown up to Peter? Tomorrow, I mean, the day after he wrote this letter in his mindset, he's not sure if Christ could not have returned then. That could have been a probability, right? Peter didn't know. It's already been 30 years. So at this point, this is just the mindset of where Peter is and how we can look to this to encourage us. So he encourages them from verse 7, verse 8, and 9 to, with this mindset, to live in such a way to preserve community amongst the body of Christ, how we live together as Christians on this earth to bring honor and glory to Jesus. So he says, first, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the purpose of prayer. He says, let's love one another earnestly, as Grady shared this last week, to love, love each other with fervency above all else. This is how we are to act. And in the midst of that, we are to show hospitality one to another without complaining or griping. So when we live that way, when we recognize and posture ourselves to live with a sincere love, a sacrificial love for God first, and then out of that love, it flows outwardly to one another, we're going to see this morning that there's an expression of that love and hospitality that we are to walk out in this life together as Christians and as a family of God. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, two verses in 1 Peter chapter 4. So I'd ask you to please stand again in the honor of reading of God's word. Sorry, my nose is running a little bit, so bear with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Let's read the word of the Lord together this morning. And this morning I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Peter encourages us this morning with this. He says, 
as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We just ask you as Grady prayed, God, that you would continue to speak and move, bring us to a place of conviction, enlightenment, revelation of your word, that you would speak to us this morning, that we would have understanding, that we would be challenged and admonished and instructed on what you desire of us as your, as your body, as your family. And Lord, we thank you that your word we know is for our good and for your glory. So have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look again at verse 10. Let's unwrap this. So again, Peter's encouraging us at this time, flowing out of this heart of loving one another earnestly, being hospitable to one another. And he gets specific and goes, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the first takeaway we're going to look at in this first part, what Peter is saying is, as each one has received a special gift. The Greek word for gift here, many of you know, is charisma. Okay, that's where we get the word charismatic or, or charismatic or charisma. Uh, uh, personality-wise, but charisma means in the Greek a favor that one receives without any merit of our own. So right out of the gate, Peter is encouraging us, saying, each one has received a special favor or a blessing or something from God without merit. I mean, you've done nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to deserve anything we have. Any gift, ability, or talent we have is a gift freely given. It's a grace gift of God. Nothing we could merit, work for, or earn. So he, Peter's encouraging us knowing there are grace gifts freely given to us that we freely received through salvation in Christ, and we receive it by faith. So right out of the gate, everyone in this room, you have gifts. You are gifted. It's an authoritative biblical fact, okay? You are gifted of God. Wayne Grudem one of Grady's favorites, I had to throw him in just for a little brownie points. Um, just kidding. Wayne Grudem says it this way. He says, our grace gift that God's given us is any ability or talent empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used in the ministry of the church. And for you MacArthurites, got to throw some John in. So John, and I love how MacArthur puts it this way. These gifts are supernaturally designed abilities granted to every believer, emphasis, by which the Holy Spirit ministers to the body of Christ. So these grace gifts, and I love how Peter says it, as each one has received, at least what Peter is saying is, at least we know we have one. That's a guarantee. But from my experience as a shepherd and being in ministry for years, there's no doubt, as we're going to see, most of us in this room, are not all, we, have, or we are gifted in multiple ways. Because the reason we are so is because God has given to us, and we are to reflect and manifest his character and his ways, and he's multi-gifted. Therefore, there's no doubt his children and us are, as we are conformed to his image. But that's the first fact right out of the gate. You are gifted. I love how Paul expresses this way and shows us in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. He says, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I love how Paul started it that way, don't you? Paul's pretty much saying, guys, church, you're really not all that. Just recognize. Start from a posture of humility. It's not about you. But to think as so as one having sound judgment. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, remember that, 
So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, there that is again, freely given, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So I love how Paul emphasizes in 6, gifts, same gifts, same Greek word as Peter using, those gifts, those favors of the Lord that God has given us, has freely bestowed upon us and we receive by faith, multiple, they've been given by grace, we are to exercise them accordingly. And in Romans 12, Paul continues on, we're not going to see it, but he expresses some of those gifts. He gives kind of an overall you know, overarching, not an exhaustive lift of some of the gifts that spiritually we get to exercise. Prophecy, gift of serving, teaching, exhortation, gift of giving, leads in administration, and mercy. Okay, this is a little, so that's not all of them. It's just God kind of giving us an overarching list that most of what we experience and have our talents and abilities will flow out of those. These are called the ministry gifts because Jesus is all of these. Jesus manifested and exercised every one of these in his life. Therefore, this is who he is. Therefore, he is bestowing and granting and blessing us these for us to walk out in the same way. Okay? So, you have the gifts. These are some of the ones that you operate in. In the spiritual context, sometimes we like to use the word, these are our DNA gifts. Guys, when you're born, these automatically are there. You just have to be cultivated and walk in them eventually. Like these gifts that are, they just list here are stuff that we all operate in. And at some point, as, which I love about Sarah, she's what, 12, 13? Sarah, you're 12, 11? Okay, well, that's even better. 11 years old. And already 11 years old, her friends and family have seen the manifestation of some of these gifts in her life. Already. And sometimes it's even younger. I mean, that's why I love, I love teaching on this because I love even watching our children growing up, knowing this is true, that my kids are gifted of God. And eventually, Lord willing, they come to saving faith and experience his presence. I get to see those things start to manifest in their life. And you guys, I know, are experiencing this as parents already. Watch your kids. See how these things start to become evident in their lives as you live together and cultivate that. And we're going to get into that a little bit. So the beauty of this is we are gifted. There are many opportunities we're going to see. And then what is the gifts for? As he says in verse 10 again, look at this. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, now employ it or use it, the ESV says, in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the gifts are given to us for a purpose. It's not just for us to sit back and go, I, I get to, you know, I have these things, pat myself on the back. There is a mission and a purpose for everything God has given us in the area of gifts. And it is to serve one another. I go to this, these verses all the time. Every time I think about servanthood in this context of serving one another, I, go, I love Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I think I've mentioned this in the last few weeks and I've taught. I think I've used it every teaching. It just covers so much. Let's look here. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. I mean, look what he's encouraging the church here with. I want you in unity to be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Here's the purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. I'm going to let that one sit a minute. Kind of let it stir. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, 
but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, Grady talks often up here about certain verses that we don't, you know, want to put on a plaque or put in our house or on a mug or things of that nature. And, so, and honestly, right now when I read this, every one of us in this room went, ooh, I, I know it. your flesh did. Because this is contrary to our nature, is it not? I want everybody to shake your heads. This is contrary. We don't like these verses. My flesh just went, ooh, I don't want to hear that again. But you know what I've come to realize, and I think I'm going to do it at the house? This needs to be on a plaque. This needs to be in the house. And all the parents said, amen, right? <laughs> Especially in certain bedrooms. Think about it. If we had that in our homes, with humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not look for your own interests, but also for the interests of others, and do nothing from self. You don't think that needs to be a constant 24-7 reminder? It does. I struggle with that every single day. And the reason I love this is what Paul is saying, and then Peter is undergirding, he's reiterating, is our entire life is based on humility and looking out. What I love Peter, Paul doing, to look out proactively for your interest over my own. That's how we are to live our lives. Your life is as important to mine, if not more so than mine. And I'm to have a posture and a mindset to realize that and to live my life that way. That's what, tell me if I'm not reading that right. I mean, y'all, I'm, I'm open for, you know, just, no, you're off, CJ. That's pretty black and white. But that's what we're called to in humility, that we are to look out for each other's interest. And I love that it says not merely look out. Of course I need to look out for my own because I want to bring honor and glory to Jesus through my own life. But in the context of that, I'm also proactively looking out for your interests. And the way we do that is through humility and looking to Jesus. Jesus himself said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He's our example. We are called to be like him. We are called to be conformed to his image. And that's why I love how Paul, after what I just read, kind of expounded on and said, you have an issue with that? Let me show you the reason why I'm saying it this way in the example. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. After what Paul just said, now have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here it is. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a what? Bond servant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We've been called to be servants of God. God, it's a job description. The second you came to saving faith, servant card. There's no option. We are called to servanthood. That's who we are. It's a part of our spiritual DNA. We are called to be bond servants of God, just like Christ. And he sacrificially gave himself. Therefore, we, as Philippians 2 said, are to sacrificially love and look out for one another. Amen. Guys, that's a good thing. We shouldn't be like, oh, man, that's a little, feel this sense of condemnation. That's a, an incredible celebratory fact. As we look around this room that we have been called to sacrificially love and serve one another. And that we know, I'm standing up here and all of these people look at me going, Hope, no one in my mind biblically that you desire my interests above your own, or should. Isn't that a great posture to live your life with as the body of Christ? 
And that's what we're called to with the gifts that God has given us. So how are we to walk this out, this servanthood? Look back here in verse 10. So each one has received a gift. We know it's a fact. We're gifted individuals by God. We are to employ them or use them in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This phrase, guys, is amazing. It really is. In our finite minds, it's hard to even grasp this. I love this statement. And what I love that Peter even did was he could have said that we are to use our gifts serving one another just as stewards of God's manifold grace, right? But he didn't. What did he add in? Good. And why is that important? Because guess what? Sometimes stewards are what? Not good. (laughs) They can be bad stewards. So what's a steward? I love this, how Peter used this analogy of who we are. A steward is a manager or an overseer of household affairs. A steward is where the head of a house entrusts a steward to manage the affairs of their home. To literally, for the head of the house, to give someone else responsibility for their possessions and resources. Y'all seeing the gravity of this? When it has to do with us and the Lord? One of the greatest Old Testament examples, just to understand, is Joseph and Potiphar. Y'all know the story, right? Potiphar was head of his home, Egyptian, you know, had all this wealth and everything. And he entrusted Joseph, a Hebrew slave, with the entire affairs of his home. Literally, Potter says, my home is your home. You govern it. And because Joseph was blessed of God, his house thrived. Now, think about the context. We, in turn, right now, sitting in this room as sons and daughters of the Most High God, he has asked us to be stewards of what? His manifold grace. What? The God of the universe, creator of all things, is saying, you finite creation who I made, I am entrusting my grace to you. I am entrusting my manifold, and what that means is his manifold, his various, his diverse grace that we get to experience and manifest through the gifts he gives us. Guys, that's astounding that he has allowed that, that he has set it up that way and asked us to be the good stewards of his gifts and his grace. God's grace is his favor, his kindness, and we get to experience it in various forms, in a diverse way with all the gifts that he gives us. So it does, it continues to help us recognize our gifts are not ours. They are his. It has nothing to do primarily with us at all. The reason I'm up here by God's grace, and I do love this, I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about his word. That I'm able to stand here behind this podium has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And I recognize that. And I get to have fun doing this. Because he's allowed me the opportunity. And he's allowed me the opportunity the leadership. And God has somewhat gifted me to be able to at least express these type of things. It's fun to be able to encourage you in this way. And I'm getting to operate and do what Peter is asking me to do right now. To serve you in this way and encourage you together. So we are entrusted. This is just still astounding. God has entrusted us with his resources, his possessions, all that he has for his purposes and his benefit. The Lord reminded me that Peter may have this moment even remembered as he was writing this, what Jesus told him in Matthew 24 and 25. He literally had the conversation about when he was going to return, the sign of his coming at the end of the age in Matthew 24. And at that point, Peter's sitting there with the apostles and they hear Jesus share the parable of the talents where he said the master, the parable, was going on a long journey, and the master called his servants together, 
And it literally says in Scripture, Jesus said that the master entrusted his possessions to them, his talents, his wealth, each according to his own ability. And I love that Jesus said that. Each according to his own ability. So look what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verses 20 and 21, the parable of the talents. Getting close. You good, Brad? I got it. Okay. The one who had received the five talents, and what I love about this is, Jesus gave this one, you know, in the parable, the master gave this one the five talents based on his what? Ability that the master saw in him. So he already knew, he saw something in this one, he entrusted these five talents to this specific servant because according to his own ability. So the, the one who received the five came up and brought the five talents and the master came and said, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have now gained five more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. And Jesus obviously shared this because that's us. We're the servants. We're the ones Jesus, based on the grace he's given us and our own abilities, he said, I'm entrusting you with gifts, abilities, and talents. And he is watching us and asking us to be faithful stewards, a faithful servant, to do what he's asked of us and to be faithful to what he has given us. I love how even Paul further on just expresses how the work of what he does in our lives in the context of his manifold grace. In 1 Corinthians 12, he highlights this one more time with another list of gifts through the Spirit. And he says here, now there are a variety of gifts. There's that word, manifold, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God. Here it is, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I love how he emphasizes that again. God's manifold grace, the variety of his gifts, his ministries, his service, his effects, activities, they're all given to us for who? Everyone else. All of you, for the common good of the body, for the church. Schreiner, another theologian up at Southern, um, I love how he put it this way. He said, God's grace manifests itself in its various forms so that the diversity of gifts reveals the multifaceted or manifold character of God's grace. Our various gifts, when all of us work together and are operating these things and understand our talents, abilities, and everything, is a, re a reveal, a manifestation of God's character among each other and into the world to encourage one another. And I love how Paul puts it for this purpose. Why we get to operate in this way. Why we get to serve one another and encourage one another in community. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Love this verse, these verses. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head of Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. According to, here it is again, the proper working, just like he said in 1 Corinthians 12, he's working all things in all persons. Here, according to the proper working of each individual part. And the result causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. There's the key again. So as we all do our parts and we're connected and doing everything God's asked us to do with all of our gifts, abilities, talents, each part doing what God has asked of us, working in and through us by His Spirit, it's causing us as the body to grow up together in community, in love, to edify ourselves. 
and to fulfill what we've talked about up here before, the heart of John 17. What did Jesus say in John 17? He's praying to the Father. May they all be one as we are one. That we are to be perfected in unity as we love one another so that as the world sees us in that way, loving each other sacrificially, serving one another in unity, then the world will know that you have sent me, Father. That the gospel will go forward. That the revelation of his glory will be evident. And the beauty of this is where we get to experience this unity through diversity, which is the very heart of the Lord. So I just love how Peter is expressing this in this time frame, looking to the end, looking to Jesus' return, that we are to live this way in community. Look at verse 10 again. We're going to continue to transition coming down the home stretch. As each one has received a special gift, use it or employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now here's how we walked out. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. And I love how Peter does this. So literally, he's encouraging us to use these gifts by really breaking them up into two primary umbrella gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. Okay? Because if you really look at all of Scripture, anytime a gift is mentioned or anything like this, it would fall pretty much under one of these two categories of gifts where we speak, it's what I'm doing right now, the teaching gift, or gifts where we are serving in different capacities, one another. So obviously he's saying, if you speak with the gifts that God has given you, speak the authoritative words of God. You speak as you're giving utterances of his word. Not your own words, not your own thoughts, not your own ideas, but literally going vertical, and they are God's words. Seek the Spirit. Seek the authoritative word of God, and that's what you are to speak. That is what to, is to lead you and compel you in your speaking gifts. And with the serving gifts, he says we are to exercise them or use them to serve one another in God's strength. He emphasizes that, knowing if we do it in our own strength, it's futile. It's not going to last. It's not, it doesn't have the right purpose. It's the wrong motives. But if we do it in the strength of the Lord and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to endure and to serve and use our gifts, talents, abilities the way God intended and for his primary purpose. And what is that primary purpose? He tells us here. So when you speak the utterance, speak as you're speaking the utterances of God, verse 11, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Here it is. So that, the why, in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And we know that's the why of everything, right? The why of life, the beautiful why of life. So that God would be honored and glorified. And I love that Peter said, all things. Y'all know what the word all means in Greek? I love it. All. It's everything. It doesn't matter what we do. Every single aspect of our life, every choice, every decision, every action, every behavior. Do I need to say another every? Is for the glory of God. That should be our heart. That should be the posture we take. I fail at that every day. But that is what I'd strive for. I mean, by God's grace and his strength and his power that only he can provide, that is what I long to live my life and walk out. I love how Paul puts it like this in Colossians 3.17. In this context, whatever you do, I mean, it's everything. <laughs> whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever you do in word, speaking gifts, 
It's just like what Peter said, speaking gifts, whatever you do in deed, serving gifts, do it all in the authority and the power and the motivation of Christ and his glory in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I love how coming down out of all this, as Peter is sharing his heart, how we are to walk in self-control, be sober-minded for the purpose of prayer, love each other fervently, earnestly. We are to show hospitality, have community, love one another, share life with one another, serve one another. Look at how he responds in the end with this mind on Jesus' return and the glory of God coming. Look how he responds at the end here in verse 11. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And here it is. To whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He worships at the end. As he's instructing us as a shepherd, he comes to the place at the end going, I'm just going to praise God. Because of what this can bring. What he knows this is going to fulfill for the heart of God and the church. And this brings the closure to this section. Like literally, when you say amen, that means affirmed. This is, this is what this means. And so he worships God. He gives praise at the end of this, acknowledging him. So very, I know with the, our baptistry, I'm coming to the end. A little, our time frame went a little long. But I just want to bring practical stuff really fast. So just bear with me. So first off, as a shepherd... Grady, myself, Greg Teal, Rick Steen, Jeff Moody, William Fox, if he's there, we're your shepherds. We have been called to shepherd you. This type of scripture lights me up. I get so excited because it's my heart. Everything Peter just said is everything we want for you as our sheep, as local congregation, as the body of Christ, that you would walk in these scriptures and you would live these scriptures out. Everything we pray for you, we pray for you guys when we gather for the entire body that God would move and act and these things would come to fulfillment. And so I get excited. So the first thing I'm going to say as a shepherd, do you know your gifts? Do you know how God has gifted you? Do you know the talents and abilities and gifts that God has given you? Some we mentioned here and others. And if you don't, please come. Let's talk. Meet with any of these men. It is our desire that you know your gifts, that you flow in your gifts, that you use your gifts. That it becomes a natural flow of your life in the context of serving one another. So, and if you do know your gifts, especially amongst your own family, talk it up. Talk to your kids. Have the children ask parents, Mom, Dad, have you all seen how the Lord has kind of gifted me with how I act and do and these type of things? We did it with our kids for years. It is fun. Because you start building and cultivating those gifts and giving them opportunities and things to serve. But first, you got to know. you got to know what your gifts are. And so if you don't, please come talk to us or talk amongst each other. And with that, how do we then respond practically to live this out in such a way, in word and deed, to serve one another faithfully? And a lot of it's self-explanatory, but just encourage you. It starts first, guys, in the home. It starts in your home. Kids in this room, teenagers, you can serve your families in the home. You can operate in your gifts in your house by having in your mindset that you want to serve your parents, love your parents, obey your parents, Teenagers the same. You guys can serve one another. Guess what? Brothers and sisters, y'all can serve each other. <gasps> what? What? I've never... Yeah. Help each other clean your room. Help each other clean the kitchen. Help each other do the yard. Help each other clean up your toys. Help your brothers and sisters do those things. Guess what? That's doing the stuff. That's doing it. That's practically walking out the simplicity of who God is in your life and called you to be. And obviously, parents serving kids, kids serving parents, etc. So in the home, guys, it's got to start there. And then the outflow of that is when, guess what? We're still, this is a home. We're a family. And it happens on this campus. 
You have a plethora of opportunities to allow your gifts to be used and exercised on this campus and amongst each other here. Children's ministry, youth ministry, praise God for this stage and these team. Amen? Every week we get to see their gifts exercised through singing and music and all this for our benefit. We get to enjoy their servanthood every week. Praise God for that. It's just one small portion. Greeter, security team. I mean, you name it. There's so many opportunities. Come talk to us. Ways that you can serve Brad up there right now and Andrew and who's that over there? Not sure. Oh, there's Wit. They're serving. I mean, that's an aspect of it. Guys, this is the practical stuff. This isn't rocket science. This is life on life. This is sharing life together and connecting in community. And this is the way we do it. So there's so many opportunities. Capital Heights Ministry, other ministries in our church. So many opportunities. Come talk to us. As shepherds, we would love to guide you in that way. And then obviously within the community ourselves, amongst family and friends of other churches, other congregations, we connect, we have people over, we serve, we look out for their interests, see what's going on in their lives, to be able to connect and to serve one another. Guys, we should constantly, our life of servanthood should be always, always aware, and I do this a lot, having the lenses of the kingdom on 24-7, always looking for opportunities to serve. We are called to a life of servanthood. We are. And that's a wonderful thing to celebrate and experience. So I just want to encourage you with this. So please talk to us. There's so many opportunities. Just for some out there maybe thinking, based on your personalities and different things, you know, some may be very much an introvert and it's hard to connect and to get outside your comfort zones and things like that. Who gave you your introvert personality? He did, right? For what purpose? His, for his glory. And how much glory do you think God would receive and be honored and glorified for someone who's an introvert to come outside of their comfort zone and to serve others? Right? That's why he gave you your personality the way it is. He gave me, as you can tell, a very extroverted personality. Sometimes my wife is like, we got to pull the reins back a little bit. And sometimes I got to take that in balance because I can get out there and do too much. And he's like, easy. And then I'm, I make the servant, the serving, the idol, instead of him being the one I serve. I'm serving the act. So all I'm saying is, based on your personality, you're still called to serve. It's okay. God's given you that for a reason, to come outside of who you are, to still allow there to be humility so you're looking out for others' interests above your own, based on God's spirit and understanding what he wants of us. Our faith, Christianity, is never to be lived in private. I'll say it again. Our faith... Christianity has never, it's unbiblical, has never been meant to live in private. It is not a private faith. It is very much the contrary, a public faith. And I can give you a dozen or more scriptures. Now we've got to work through the Spirit and ask God to lead and guide, but it is a public faith where we are to be out there with each other, encouraging one another, connecting with one another, serving one another for the glory of God is salt and light. And then the outflow of that, guys, is we reach a lost and dying world. They're going to recognize something different among us and go, wait a minute, why are you guys doing this? Why are you serving like this? Why is there so much love and sacrificial this? It's because of Jesus. And then the world's going to take notice, so we then get to share our faith, and they're going to go, I want to be a part of that because of Christ. Amen? Amen. And what an opportunity. Man, embrace this as a celebration day. We got to see a beautiful baptism 
a young lady proclaiming Christ and her gifts and what God has called her to, the declaration of God's word through our children, and now getting to celebrate that we get to be stewards of God's manifold grace, the gifts that he's given us. Let's be aware of that and walk in that together. And again, your shepherds here would love to talk to you. If, there's a, if you don't know where to do or where to get plugged in, please come talk to us. We anxiously await it. We would celebrate this with you. So all of it together, boom, as Grady loves to do. And I use his little tagline in the beginning just to kind of bring some closure to this section. Living with the end in view leads us to serve one another with the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has entrusted to us so that Jesus may be glorified. That's what it's about. So we're going to do that together. So let's stand. Let's pray and prepare our hearts. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and just how clear-cut it is, God, that you have instructed us and encouraged us with humility of mind to look out for others' interests above our own, to serve one another, to love one another sacrificially, to literally be looking out for those opportunities, to love one another, to encourage one another, to fellowship together in so many capacities in our homes, in our spheres of influence here on this campus, even in small groups, one-on-one, just hanging out with a brother or sister, whatever it is, there's so many ways. I just pray that this morning you would just kind of reiterate or reorient us back to that reality, to know that you desire for us to love each other sacrificially, to look to you, to pray for opportunities, to look for opportunities. And then out of that, God, that we would be salt and light and your ambassadors and represent you in this world where people can come to saving faith. We thank you and praise you that you have made it clear for us what you've called us to do. For your honor and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for that declaration. <laughs> you're the rock. We can't do anything we talked about today without you. You're the reason. For your power and your strength as our hope is in you. So I pray as we leave here today, God, give us wisdom and discernment and direction on how we serve one another. Not if, how. How you want us to walk this out. What opportunities, when, where, all those things, God. Knowing that our faith is not to be lived in isolation, but in community with one another to bring you honor and glory. That's what you desire. That is what your heart is. So from the children to teenagers to adults, all of us, God, give us those opportunities. Guide and direct our steps this week and beyond on how and when you desire us to serve one another lovingly, sacrificially for the honor and glory of your name and for our good. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.